All right. Well, good morning. I, I hope that was a smooth enough transition. Uh, man, uh, I, got, I just got to say, I, that last song is really powerful. And the uh, I, I, first time I heard it, it's like got halfway through and I was like crying like a, like a baby. You know, a couple of the songs that we sang this morning really have a deeper impact on me. Um, as we, we get to sing and worship and thinking about the song, Good, Good Father, and just reminding me of, you know, how God it gets to replace my earthly father as, as he's since passed. And, um, you know, part of what we're going to talk a little bit about today is the willingness to have this vulnerability to where we can be real. We can be real with each other. And the really awesome thing about being able to be real with each other um, helps us in the future to be real with people outside of the church. Um, our neighbors, our friends, family, uh, really anybody we come across. And uh, We've been talking the last couple of weeks as the uh, Kenya team has been gone and, and Pastor John's been out. Uh, this whole idea of taking our core values and uh, not changing them, uh, just kind of streamlining them a little bit. And I shared the quote with you last week about we don't always necessarily need instruction. Sometimes we just need reminding. And I, I really truly believe that that's where we're, where we're at. Um, we're just reminding, just reminding each other, reminding staff, reminding our families, moms, dads, kids, that really this whole idea of taking our core values and figuring out how they apply to our lives, and, and not just like the normal general way, yeah, we want to love God, we want God to be first in our lives. We want to love other people. We want to be kind. We want to be compassionate. We want to be a church that people are going to be comfortable in. Like we want that, and we understand the general aspect behind it. But when it comes to the specifics and really trying to figure out how do I specifically play my part in this and this whole idea of upward, inward, and outward. And, you know, the upward, we talked about loving God above everything else. Right? The old turns to new. We turn into this like conforming of Christ, transforming our minds. And that leads to this inward change. Right, We talked about that. And I, I can't be too long. i got to try to condense everything into about 20 minutes or so. So I'm going to try to stay focused. And if I get too crazy, Pastor John's got the hook. He's gonna, you know, you'll hear like the Oscar music playing and I'll be out the door. But just as a recap, right, this upward approach, this understanding, we talked a little bit about David and David's mindset and how he approached God and how he understood God's relationship with him and not just that, but the positional authority that God has in his life. And I'm also reminded of Isaiah who says, I'm unworthy, like I'm undone, I, I, I'm not able to be here, like who, who can stand before God? And one of the lines in the song that we last sang was, well, who could dare ascend that mountain? And there's a song that talks about that, having clean hands and coming to God and being able to stand before Him. And realistically, we just can't. And that's why this whole idea of upward comes into play. Because we have the power of the Spirit within us. We have this relationship with God. And it gives us an opportunity to really kind of change who we are. And that's an awesome thought. Because the person who I was five years ago is not the person I am now. The person I was ten years ago is not the person I was five years ago is not the person that I am now. 
And hopefully you can think back along your timeline and go, you know what, that makes sense. I, wanna, I want to be continually moving. I want to continue to change. I want to continue to transform. And then we talked about the inward, the self-care, and then our, our communal body care, right? The church is not an organization. It's a living, breathing thing. It's all of us, individually and collectively. That's why it's important to understand these concepts as we talk about building Scripture and understanding Scripture and applying Scripture and how it impacts us to love each other and to grow together. And we shared those verses that talked about having love and patience. And then the second half of that talked about being able to encourage and to teach and that fun word, admonish. And really, that is a sign of a healthy church, no matter where you go. If you find yourself moving to the other part of the country or another part of the world, a healthy church is a church that handles conflict and is able to interact with each other in a way that's going to honor and glorify God. And that's all the inward stuff. And pastor taught through it when he talked about Titus, being able to come to someone and push on a little bit, or to, can I ask a question? I've noticed that. Whatever the probing question is, but the ability to do that to each other, and to do it from a spirit of love. Not a spirit of, hey, Randy. Uh, no, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to have love and compassion. Loving God's people. It's an inward approach. I was talking with Pastor John this week and my wife. And um, if, if you're an office fan, you can raise your hand. You don't have to be embarrassed. You're amongst friends. There is uh, an episode of The Office that I said, I want to show this clip. And my wife said, well, maybe you should think about it. And I thought about it, and I decided not to show it, but I'm going to explain what happens, right? There's this awesome, uh, I know, sorry, Pastor John. He hasn't seen this episode. There's the, does anybody remember the dinner party? It's like the absolute most awkward episode ever. Right, Michael and his girlfriend are having a dinner party, and he invites the people from the office over. And from like the word go, it's just you don't want to be there. And just sitting on my couch watching, I'm like, oh, ah, they're fighting, they're bickering, they're arguing, and they're passive aggressive about it. And sometimes they're in their face about it, and it blows up to this point where they're throwing things and screaming. And the dinner guests are just kind of like, ah, my house is on fire, so I'm gonna just go. Right? The reason I bring that up is because if we want to have an outward impact where we want to bring people into our doors and within our building and reach out into the lives of these people, we can't have that type of dinner party. We just can't. Does it happen? Absolutely. Can we avoid it? I think we can. I went and met with Corey a couple weeks back before he left for Kenya, and we had lunch, and we were talking about just maturity, not just specifically in our church, but kind of as a whole. And one of the things that we had talked about was, can we get to the point where we know people are going to make mistakes, and when they step in it, we give them enough freedom to step in it and not crush them? Because that's a part of inward. That's a part of who we are. It's a part of being able to love God's people, the inward stuff. Encouragement, monitoring, being on the same page. Yes, being on the same page. I'm trying to stay. <laughs> being on the same page. Remember, I had Mike and Jason Cooley come up, and Mike is really good at tuning guitars by ear. We're going to pretend he's not. 
Right, but we walked through that thing. They were on the same page. They had, they were in tune to the same authority, the tuner. They were able to play together. They were connected. They were playing the same song. It was in a different key. They figured out how to get along. And the whole point of it was neither was wrong. They weren't wrong. They weren't right. They both had the same stuff, different key. Our ideas, they're going to bounce off each other. There's going to be conflict. Conflict is not bad. But it is how we deal with it that can turn it into a negative thing. There's examples of conflict throughout Scripture. The disciples fighting. Paul fighting with Peter. And when he says, I would stood him to his face, that's not like they had a friendly disagreement. They had a conflict. They had a conflict to one point where they said, I don't want him. He can go away. He's deserted us when they were leaving for missionary trips. And they were able to come back together at the end. Philippians talks about it where Paul is saying, these people are fighting. I wish they wouldn't, but we've got to figure out how to love and encourage them through it. Church is going to have conflict. But we can still be on the same page. We can still have compassion. And we can still have, this is all inward. It's loving God's people. So we have outward up on the board. So what is outward? Outward is simple. It's missional living. Living with the mission that God has given us. We have a a near, you know, you look through the Great Commission, go here, go here, go here. And as you go, the circle starts to get bigger. And Mark sums it up too when he talks about going and being sent and throughout the world. And there's two parts to this missional living. There's my inner circle, my friends, my family, my neighbors. And then there's this much bigger circle. Not all of us are going to go to Kenya. I don't know if that's on the books for next year. But if it is, not everybody in this room is going next year. Not everybody has been called to be a missionary overseas. I understand that. Pastor John understands that, but we have all been called to missional living. It's part of being an actual, real disciple. We talked about that last week. They'll know that you're my disciples by the love that you have. Not just for each other, but for everybody. Right? Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. I feel like that's a theme that kind of spreads from Genesis throughout the entirety of Scripture. Loving God, loving your neighbor. So, by way of intro, this is where we're at. Outward, what is it? Missional living. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are this morning. Lord, for the opportunity to be here and to worship, we thank you that the Kenya team was able to return safely. Lord, that you've uh, uh, gone with that trip. And uh, thank you that Pastor John has come back energized. And I'm assuming if he has, so has the rest of the team. Lord, we're waiting to hear the stories. We're waiting to hear the excitement. And as we move from one face to the next, from from lifting up praise and song to uh, getting into your word, Lord, just to understand, you have called us to a greater purpose than just to sit within these pews, within these walls. Lord, help us to achieve that. Help us to understand how these things tie together, how it impacts our church, how it impacts us. And Lord, how we can move from the idea of generally applying this to our lives, but be specific about it. So, Father, we ask these things in your name. Lord, I ask that you help me to speak clearly. Lord, that you would just clear my mind, my heart. Let everything that comes out today be of you. So, Father, we ask these things in your name. Amen. See, the three of these, this upward, inward, and outward, 
they all work together. It's foundational stuff. It's our core values. We have them on the bulletin. If you want to look at the bulletin, that doesn't mean it's going to be replaced and those are going to go away. It just means these are the core values. These are the categories that fit in, and this is why they're important. If we want to be successful, if we want to be a church that's going to continue to grow, not just in number, but in maturity, because that's what we've been called to to be mature. In other words, to grow up. Part of the problem, if we can't figure this out, is it leads to a broken view of the church and what we do. And what I mean by a broken view is I have two things that I, I, I keep in mind. One broken view is outward doesn't matter. It means that I can keep my relationship with God hidden. I can be like that secret agent. And when I've, I've worked with teenagers for a long time, and this is the language that we use, the double agent. When I go to school, I'm a complete, totally different person than I am at church. And when I was a teenager growing up, I was no different. Monday, Tuesday, half of Wednesday, Thursday, and every other Friday, I lived one way. And then when I would go to church, I lived a completely, totally different way. To the point where when people would find out that I was a pastor's son or that I went to church, they were shocked it's no different when you're an adult. We can kind of fall into this same category. We keep it hidden. It's not really a part of the fiber of who we are. And we talked about the individual impact that these things have. We use the C.S. Lewis quotes. Are our ships seaworthy? Or are they old dingy bathtubs that are just going to clang into each other? Am I keeping my relationship hidden? Because that's a broken view. It's someone else's job. Someone else can handle it. They can be a better witness. They can be... It doesn't matter. We'd said everything about our lives communicates our view of God. It communicates the respect we have for His positional authority, no matter what we do. It communicates how real we are about this. And the point is, we want to be real. And we want to be vulnerable. Vulnerable, not vulnerable boy. I don't think that's a word. But here's the second problem, and this is something that may have happened here in the past, but I can tell you it is not uncommon to have a hidden relationship, and no matter where you go, it's not uncommon to run into people that think the church is only there to satisfy their needs. That's it. They show up on Sunday, they send their kids off to junior church, or they send their kids to Awanas, or they send them to here, or they send whatever. The church is only here to meet my needs. It's selfish selfishness gets in the way all the time of what we're supposed to be doing. Selfishness is the block that prevents outward from happening. My motives, my desires, whether it's self-preservation, whether it's pride, no matter what it is, whatever is getting in the way, let's be honest, it's selfish. If it's not doing what God has called us to do, and it's for whatever reason, it's preventing us from living missionally. It's preventing us from taking the upward and the inward and actually doing what we're supposed to do with it. Because ultimately, we talk about what it is. Why is it important? It's really simple. It's important because it's what disciples do. It's what we do. If you're in here and you're here and you're thinking, I'm a disciple. Okay. How is your missional living? What does that look like? 
Is there an impact to it? Is there a realness to it? Because Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I like the Living Bible. It's not that much different. But this is what he says. You are to go. You are to go. You are to go. You are to go into all the world. Preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. So does that mean I'm just continually, every person, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, let me, do you know who Jesus is? Right? I, I see the meme that goes around Facebook from time to time, and some of us have shared it, and it says, yes, I'm a Christian. No, I don't hate you because you're this, and no, I won't do this, and no, I won't beat you over the head, and no, I won't do this, and no, I won't do that, and no, I won't force it down your throat. And I'm okay with parts of that. But when it gets to the point where there's absolutely no impact that your life is having on someone else, guess what? You're not going, and you're not preaching to everyone everywhere. If our lifestyle can be accepted as worship, it can also be accepted as spreading the gospel. And it's not someone else's job. It's our job. It's what disciples do. Do we lack discipleship? I don't know. I I can't answer that in full. You want to know my specific thoughts on it? You can ask me after. I'll talk with you. We're not going to do it here. But... I think there is a little bit of a problem with discipleship in our group. We can't just stop and say, well, I've done all that. I don't have to do anymore. We can't just go, well, you know, I'm not mature enough to serve yet, so I'm just going to kind of sit back. We have entry-level positions in ministry. We have opportunities to continue to grow. We, there is so much that you can do to get involved, to move through these phases into what God has called us, missional living. It doesn't end. When I was a teenager in the church I grew up in, they had a discipleship program, and it was, what, 16, 16 weeks? Do you remember? We tried to do it at my dad's church, and it was like D1, 16 weeks, and then when you finished that, you could go into the discipleship 2 class, which was like another 12 weeks, and there was a massive problem with that. It was great stuff. It was foundational understanding, the role that God plays in my life. How do I impact the church? How do I impact the world? My tithing, me and, and, and work, and my friends. But the problem is people would finish the book and it was like, I'm done. I don't have to be, I'm done being discipled. I can now be a discipler. And then they would go through the second book and it was like another level of like, they've earned something and they had to stop. They could, hey, I can stop. I've gone through discipleship. Hey, I can stop. I don't have to continue. I've already done that. It's a lifelong process. It's a continual thing. We're continuing to learn and we're continuing to grow. So we talk about general and specifics. Why is it important? Here's some questions that we can ask ourselves. One question. How many times have you personally obeyed this command? To just go and spread the gospel. To just go and share your story. To just go and be vulnerable. To just witness to someone. How many people have you shared the good news with? How many people has your life communicated the gospel to? Not just within these walls, but outside as well. How many people are Christians today because you reached out to them in order to share with them what you have found in Christ? See, these are all the things that are built into our story. And John shared, Pastor John shared something this week that was really impactful to me. And I, won't, I don't know if he's sharing it today, but I don't want to steal that from him. I, I hope he does, and I hope we can all understand. We have a story. Some of our stories are 
mind-blowing and amazing. Some of them, meh. Mine is kind of like, meh, in comparison to other people. It really is. But you know what? It's still my story. It's still how God has impacted my life. It's still how I have gone through this journey and what He's revealed to me and how He has done it. I don't have the same story as Ben right now. No offense, Ben. I'm praying that I don't. But I don't have that story. And, and some of the conversations we've had is, what's next? What is God? That's His story. That is powerful. And to understand like all the dominoes that fell into place for Ben to go from where he was to where he is now, and that's amazing. And it's powerful. And Ben doesn't have to stand up on a soapbox and preach fire and brimstone. He say, listen, can I just tell you what I've experienced and what God has done for me? You can make up your mind, but for me, here's the reality of what God is. Here's how it's impacted my life. Here's how it makes a difference. Here's how I've changed. Here's how I'm continuing to grow. So we had the what it is. It's missional living. Why it's important. It's what disciples do. I'm almost done, I promise. Okay. You got another 40 seconds. 40 seconds. I only have two pages left, so we're... So we talked about in the past, like this whole last couple of weeks has been the same thing. What it is, why it's important, how do we accomplish it? What it is, it's missional living. Why is it important? Because it's what disciples do. So how do we do it? We play our part. We all have a part. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Simple. Do your part and see what God does. Because it's trusting Him. If this is an example that is set for us, it's an example that we can follow. Just play your part. Tell your story. Be real. Don't, don't, don't try to hide it. Don't try to make it more than it has to be. Tell your story. Play your part. Without doing this, without playing our part, nothing happens. There's no harvest. Because there's no planting. There's no watering. There's no reality to it. There's no growth. We just have to play our part. So here's some verses from the New Life version. It's Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, if you want to look there. It says, you must keep praying, keep watching, be thankful always. As you pray, be sure to pray for us also. Pray that God will open the door for us to preach the word. We want to tell the secret of Christ, and this is the reason I am in prison. Pray that I will be able to preach so everyone can understand. This is the way I should speak. Be wise in the way you live around those who are not Christians. Make good use of your time. Speak with them in such a way that they will want to listen to you. Do not let your talk sound foolish. Know how to give the right answer to anyone. So here's your steps for success. Here's how we do it. One, pray for opportunities. I have found when I pray for something specific, whether it's an opportunity for here or whether whatever, when I start to pray for something specific, I'm more likely to keep an eye out for it and to look for it. It's the same thing. Pray for opportunities. We had pray for one. That was our thing. We still throw it up on the board. How many of us are still praying for one? How many of us are still praying for one routinely? How many of us are praying for one and also praying for an opportunity to interact. Not just, Lord, I pray that they would come to know you. Great. What's your part in that? 
And there's the second part that Paul mentions. He talks about praying for opportunities and praying for supernatural intervention. Pray that God would. I'm going to pray for my opportunity for my one or for whatever or how I'm going to impact my job. I'm going to pray that I can form this, figure out this disciple thing. I'm going to pray specifically for opportunities to share my faith. I'm going to pray specifically for opportunities to grow. I'm going to pray for God to show me things in my life that I need to change. Because that's kind of the second part of what Paul challenges here. Pray for opportunities. Pray for supernatural intervention. And take stock of your life. Your lifestyle reflects the gospel. If it's a reflection of our worship, right? Romans 12, we talked about that. It's our reasonable service. It is what we've been called to do. A lifestyle of worship. That it's not just our songs. Everything we do reflects these things. Everything we do reflects our opinion of God. Everything reflects the, the respect we have for His authority. Everything communicates worship. Everything communicates the gospel. Is it real to me? I, I hope so. I hope it's a reflection to other people that they do see that there is a difference about this person. That there is a realness to it. Like, I get panned sometimes from some of my friends. They'll listen to a podcast or when I talk, they say, you know, you, you, you like open your closet too much and you're always telling people how you, you're, you're, you're broken. And you... Look, I, I feel like it would be dishonest to stand up here and be like, I never struggle with anger. I don't, I don't ever have a bad attitude. I never yell at my kids. I'm not perfect. That's, the reality is being able to recognize something and to work to change it. The, the reality is recognizing something and being able to put it on the table. When I put it on the table, that means I open up the door for someone to come to me and be like, Hey, you know, I heard you speak and I know you're trying to work on this, but I noticed also that you know, when you were in the parking lot, I could overhear you talking. And I'm okay with that. I really am. I, I, I've experienced it with Pastor John, with other people who have come even to say, like, can, can we talk about this? Put it on the table. Find someone who's willing to keep you accountable because it impacts how this flows out of us. If I can't figure out how to control my attitude and my anger, even when it's someone who pulls in front of me on a Sunday driving 30 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone, and I'm like, I was supposed to be at worship practice at 8.30. It's 8.31. I'm going to be late. And this is all in a span of like the village deli to harmony. I'm not alone. I know I'm not. Right? <laughs> See, it's not meant to, 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 to brag or to, to, to make, oh, listen, we're all broken. We're not perfect. The church isn't for perfect people. It's not. We have to, under our lifestyle reflects the gospel. I think one week, my wife was very kind, and she was, you need to just relax. It's not a big deal. Calm down. And I'm like, oh, they're driving. It's a 55. And then, uh, uh, literally, from the village alley to here, and as I'm slowing down and pulling to the parking lot, guess what happens? They came into the parking lot, too, right in front of me. And I'm like, hi. It always happens. You understand, it, our lifestyle reflects the gospel. So pray for opportunities, pray for supernatural intervention, take stock of our life. And when the opportunities come along, take advantage of them. 
There's so many missed opportunities that we have. And when you stop and think about all the people that you come into contact with, whether they're at your job, they're at the gas station, they're at the gym, they're at the grocery store, they're wherever you are, there's always an opportunity to do something. Does that mean I have to always hand out a track and give them the gospel of John? No, but our kindness, our attitude, the things that we say, the way we treat people, these are all opportunities that reflect the gospel. These are all opportunities that really show the world that we are different. That God has a real impact on our lives. And use your words. Uh, one of my kids, Avery or Taryn, they would always they say, use your words. Use your words. Tell me what you want. Say it. Paul actually gives us a couple of things to consider when we use our words. One, don't be a fool. You could do A, you can do B, you could do 2A, you can do 2B, and then your speech will betray you. I take into account what I post on Facebook, how I interact with people, what I say on the phone, what I talk to the teenagers about, and I've been guilty. I've been talking with other adults, and there have been other people around, and my words have not been seasoned with salt. They have not been kind. They've not been generous. And I've had to think, man, ah, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have had that conversation. No, no, we shouldn't have. I shouldn't have posted that thing. Our words betray who we are a lot of times. And Paul says, don't be foolish. Don't do all of these other steps and then open your mouth and say something dumb and completely destroy any chance that you have with someone. That's a lot to me. Use your words. Take an opportunity. Stop and think. Before you click send, before you click post, before you put in an email, before you put in a text, whether it's within the walls or outside of the walls. I, was, uh, I have a, uh, uh, a sociology class that I'm taking right now, and uh, one of the things they're talking about is the impact we have living different lives. And I was thinking about when I had a secular job and how I would act there, and you know, it's, these things come to mind all the time when I have to uh, fire someone or correct someone or praise someone or when I'm getting corrected by my boss and how this is the, supposed to be, how am I supposed to be different? How am I supposed to reflect change? God cares about every aspect of our life, secular and sacred. It doesn't matter. Our upward is important. Because that puts us on the right path. We talked old to new, conformed to Christ, transformed. How that impacts the next phase, the inward phase. How I am as an individual, how I'm cleaned up as myself, how we're cleaning up as a group. Because if we can do both of those steps, the outward makes it a little, it's a little easier to accomplish the outward stuff. I'm not saying that you have to take everybody down the Romans road. Most of you probably know the Romans road or understand what it is or, you know, whatever, your seven points to salvation. It's good to know. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, completely bypass that. Keep that in mind. It is good because we can reveal who Christ is through Scripture. But I'm telling you, when you live in a culture where this is not relevant anymore, the way you live, what you say, your opportunities that can have more of an impact than you think. And if your life isn't going to match up what you're trying to convince someone that is real to you, it's not going to matter 
I love my sister. When she was in college, she used to date this guy, a good guy, reasonable guy. I didn't really get to know him too much. But he didn't want to have anything, nothing to do with church. And uh, it was mich- mich- missionary dating or whatever. And uh, never a good idea. But she said, ah, oh, he just won't go to church with me. I said, well, when was the last time you went to church? Oh, I don't know. Probably like two months ago. It's like, you want to be real to him. It's just not real to you. If it's not real to us, our outward, it's not real. It's just not real. We have to figure that out. So I talked about sharing your story. And John's gonna, Pastor John's going to come up with the team. He's going to share some stuff. But, you know, when we share our story, we can find commonalities with people. We can, we can share uh, family stuff. We can share experiences. I was in Starbucks yesterday. And there was a gentleman who had two little girls. One looked to be about Taryn's age. One looked to be about Avery's age. And let me tell you, it was, I, could, I could feel his pain. One's bouncing on the counter. One's like kicking over the sign. You know, one's spilling the little coffee drink. And he's like, oh my gosh. And I'm, they spilt the drink on the floor. And uh, I was helping him clean it up. And he's like, oh, you don't have to do it. And I said, sir, I understand. I do. Like, I got two little girls. You know, I understand. They get crazy. You know, it's not a big deal. It's a commonality. You know, if, if I ever cross paths with him again, there'd be an opportunity to be like, hey, I remember you from Starbucks, blah, 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 blah. But there was kindness. I watched people as the drink spilt, and they went, this guy can't control his kids. Wow. Uh, one time we were at Hannaford, and uh, I got out of my car. There was a guy in blue jeans and a blue dress shirt, and a green vest, and he had short reddish hair with a beard, and it was like looking into a mirror. I'm not kidding. And we kept crossing paths. We looked at each other. And finally, we ran across each other right in front of the cooler section. We were both getting frozen pizza. And I'm not kidding. I, my wife always thinks I'm lame. I am lame. I looked at him and went, you got a great sense of style, man. And we chatted and we talked. And like through this little conversation of 30 seconds, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Yeah, I'm a pastor. We're down the road at the church. Yeah. You know, if you ever stop in and see us sometime, I'll save you a seat. You know, we could, we could, we could be twinning. <laughs> like, it's a small thing. But it's an opportunity. How many opportunities do we miss? If our upward is right and our inward is right, when the outward happens, it's, it's going to be more natural. That's what we've been called to do.